Welcome to Focus. We focus on folklore. I'm your host, Jolene B. Every other Monday, we will have a new episode with a new family to talk about. If you have an interesting family history and are interested in being featured, please DM our Instagram account at Focus Podcast. This week, we will be talking about a family from Armenia. We will refer to the person who submitted this comprehensive story as Ani. Remember that family stories are told from the perspective of the family. There's always bias involved with the actual story. Keep in mind there is no intended hate against any nationality, ethnicity, or group. Let's get started. Much of Ani's family story is about the Armenian Genocide. Although the Ottoman Turks caused mass deportation and the systematic killing of between 600,000 and 1.5 million Armenians, it's not widely recognized by nations today because of tricky geopolitics with Turkey. It's just so wrong. I mean, obviously the event itself, yeah, we'll call it an event. The genocide itself was horribly unjust, but it's just so unjust today that most nations around the world won't call the genocide what it is because of tricky international politics. Although I know that tricky international politics is very important to remain or to keep the world in balance and to protect national security of various nations, but it's just horribly wrong that we can't acknowledge it and condemn it for what it is. You know, in order to talk about the genocide itself, we need to first properly define genocide. Genocide is defined as the deliberate killing of a large group of people in order to destroy that particular nationality or ethnicity. The Armenian genocide is certainly a genocide. That's actually a controversial statement, to be honest. But it was certainly, is certainly a genocide, regardless of tricky international politics. Okay, but now we need to delve into the history of the Armenian ethnicity and the Ottoman Empire. The Armenians have lived in the Caucasus region in Eurasia for about 3,000 years, kind of like present-day Turkey. That's around that area that you can think of, like Azerbaijan, Armenia, Turkey, just around that area, okay? At some point, they ruled themselves in an independent Christian kingdom, but they have been conquered by various empires for much of history. When I refer to Armenia now, like before Armenia was declared an actual independent country, I mean like the region Armenia. It's not exactly a region, but it's just like a, let's call it a semi-autonomous region. I'm not exactly sure how to put it, but when I refer to Armenia, I don't talk about an actual independent country until it actually becomes an actual independent country. But anyways... In the 1400s, Armenia was conquered by the Ottoman Empire, which was controlled by the Ottoman Turks. The Ottoman rulers, like much of their subjects, were Muslim. They allowed some religious toleration, but they treated Christians and people of other religions as inferior. For example, Christians had to pay extra taxes and they had few legal rights. Despite these obstacles, Christians, aka much of the Armenians, were generally better educated and were wealthier than the Ottoman Turks for the most part. So because of this, the Turks were kind of suspicious of them. They were also suspicious that the Armenians would be more loyal to Christian rulers since the Ottoman Empire shared an unstable border with Orthodox Russia. Over time, these suspicions got even stronger and culminated as the Ottoman Empire was crumbling in the late 1800s. Many Armenians were campaigning for basic rights, and this angered the Ottoman government. In 1890, the Sultan Abdul Hamid II declared that he would solve the, quote, I mean, the actual, quote, the Armenian question. That's what he called it, the Armenian question. Between 1894 and 1896, a state-sanctioned program led by the Turkish sacked Armenian villages and cities and massacred hundreds of thousands of innocent Armenian civilians. 
the Armenians were just protesting for basic rights. And instead of being met with cooperation and perhaps some understanding, they were murdered en masse. A little over a decade after this first, ugh, I hate to say it, but this kind of first step in the genocide, or I guess that first part can be considered the genocide, or at least, okay, let's just put it as after about a decade after the first part of the Armenian genocide, a group called the Young Turks overthrew the Sultan and formed a more modern constitutional government. The Armenians thought they would finally have some form of peace, but unfortunately, the nationalist Young Turks just wanted to make the region more Turkish, and this would be a big problem. Fast forward about five years to 1914, the Ottoman Empire entered World War I. If there's anything to remember about this war beyond like the typical World War I things that you think about, um, like trenches and um, you know Armenian genocide, it's nationalism as well as self-determination. Much of the war was caused by nationalism and self-determination, and it was just fueled by nationalism and self-determination. So self-determination is the idea that ethnic groups should be able to have their own country. And in World War I, it was just like super exacerbated. I think that a lot of the genocides that occurred or just like the motivations behind uh, much of the conflict in World War I, like the Austro-Hungarians, the Germans, it's just like it was a lot of self-determination in ethnic conflict and wanting to have one's own country. Like I, th- I think it was the Serbians. I could be wrong. Please correct me. Anyways, the Ottoman Empire entered the war allying with Germany and the Austro-Hungarian Empire. While this was going on politically, the Ottoman religious authorities declared war against all Christians except Ottoman allies, aka like Germany and the Austro-Hungarians, okay? There was a really, really toxic train of thought that many of the Ottoman military authorities had. It was that if the Armenians would be able to gain independence if the Allies won, the Allies being the UK, France, etc., you know, that one side with the United States in World War One. Okay, okay. So they thought that if the Armenians would be able to gain independence if the Allies won, then the Armenians would be down to fight against the enemy of the Allies, aka the Ottomans. I hope that made sense. I feel like that might have been kind of confusing, but Armenians just started being labeled as traitors. As the war went on, some Armenians actually fought for the Russians against the Ottoman Turks, and this was kind of like the last straw for the Ottomans. On April 24th in 1915, the Armenian Genocide began. It might be the 21st, but it also might be the 24th. Like, sources vary. Okay, well, anyways, this is where Ani's family story begins. Ani's maternal great-grandmother's name is Seda. Seda was born in 1907 in a small village in Diyarbakir. Today, Diyarbakir is a big city in Turkey. You know, like land disputes and changes and, of course, like more fluid and ethnic and uh, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? It's different today than it was back then. Seda was about eight years old when the genocide began. At the time, she lived with her father, her pregnant mother, her older brother, and her little sister. Hi, this is Editing Jolene. In the next minute i'm about to talk about um some potentially triggering topics like um it's a little bit more graphic about like killing people and like death and all that it's a bit more graphic so just be warned if this might be triggering or this is potentially triggering to you please skip forward like a minute 
The Turks first arrested and killed the Armenian intellectuals on April 24th, and then they moved on to men and older women. When the Turkish soldiers arrived at Seda's village, her father hid her and her one-year-old little sister under a mattress so they wouldn't be discovered and killed. This is very, very sad, but Ani told me this, and it just broke my heart. But Seda and her little sister heard their father, mother, and brother getting killed. Her mother was pregnant, remember? And they heard the officer taking bets on whether the baby was a boy or a girl before cutting it out of her mother's belly. After the officers left and Seda deemed it safe, they ran off but were later caught. Just like the other Armenians, they were forced to march across the desert to Syria. Along the journey, Seda realized that the Turkish soldiers were taking young girls to be child brides and worse. So she rubbed everything disgusting she could find on her and her sister's faces to not be taken. But Seda was only eight years old at the time, and her little sister was only one, so Seda knew her sister would not survive the long journey to Syria. Not too long after the march began, they passed near a Turkish village. One of the Turkish women came out and took Seda's little sister. The woman said that she couldn't have children and would raise the baby as her own. And Seda knew her sister wouldn't have survived the journey, so she didn't fight and gave her little sister to the woman. But before Seda gave her sister to the woman, she promised that she would never stop looking for her. Seda would continue to search for her sister for the rest of her life, but unfortunately, she never found her. The two to three month journey to Syria was very treacherous and dangerous, and Seda was on her own without any family. She eventually made it to Syria, and she was placed in an orphanage until she was an adult. At the orphanage, she met her future husband. Ani still has a picture of them together in the orphanage. After they grew up and got married, they had five children, one of which is Ani's grandmother. Her name is Talene. Talene and her four siblings grew up very, very poor and were raised on the principle of be good for Armenia. One of Talene's brothers joined the Armenian Revolution Federation, which advocates for a free united Armenia. It's definitely worth mentioning that during much of Talene's lifetime, and technically during Seda's and Talene's daughter's lifetimes, Armenia was under the control of the Soviet Union as a constituent republic. That's a fancy word for kind of like a puppet state, in a way. Ani notes that when Stalin of the USSR, when he kind of invaded, he was kind of welcome. Ani also notes that the Soviets changed Armenia for the worse. Anyone who spoke out against the Soviet regime, or, you know, like, the constituent republic government system, anyone who spoke up, they were jailed and murdered. Also, Soviet rule would set up the basis for modern conflict with Azerbaijan. I'll talk more about that soon, but what you need to know is that there have been land disputes for a while because of conflict with different ethnicities in the region. What's notable about Stalin and Soviet rule is that he gave away some Armenian lands to the Azerbaijani. Today, with the land dispute, this is the only modern Azerbaijani claim to that land. Okay, but back to the story. After growing up, Talene ended up getting married and having Ani's mother in 1969. Ani's mother's name is Hova. In 1978, Talene and Hova and their immediate family immigrated to California for better education and better opportunities. Hova moved to the United States at nine years old, and she only spoke the Armenian language and Arabic, so she was bullied growing up going to public school. When Hova was around 16 years old, her future husband would meet her for the first time for coffee. His name is Armin. Not too much is known about Armin's family, or at least like recent family, but we know that he is descended from Cilician nobility. You know, it's actually pretty rare that I get to talk about ancient or just like older, older history. So this is a moment to savor. 
Cilicia is the ancient Roman name for the southeastern area of Asia Minor, aka present-day Turkey. I'm actually not completely sure about the present-day Turkey part because I keep finding conflicting information, but it's just in that general region. Cilicia originally was just the name of a region since it was controlled by various powers across history. It was controlled by the Hittites, which I definitely pronounced wrong, um, the Akkadian Empire, the Sea People. Okay, the Sea People. Very cool name. I mean, it's just an interesting name. They, they came from the sea. That's why they're called a sea people. But historians are not sure who they are exactly. Like, they could be the Mycenaeans. It could be the Trojans. It could be etc. Okay, well, anyways. They were also controlled by the Assyrians, the Persians, um, the Greeks. But, like, technically, the Macedonians after it was conquered by Alexander the Great. Um, but also, they were controlled by the Romans. Actually, a young Julius Caesar was kidnapped by Cilician pirates. Very cool. After the Western Roman Empire fell in 476 CE, or just like regular years, like 2020, it was just 476, Cilicia became part of the Byzantine Empire. I'm not completely sure when the Christianity stuff happened, since I'm pretty non-religious, um, but we're respectfully non-religious, but Cilicia and this general area has some religious significance in Christianity. Fast forward like half a millennium or like 500 years, to 1080, the Armenian kingdom of Cilicia was founded. Armin's family is descended from Cilician nobility. Translated, Armin's last name means garter of the eye, so it was his family's job to protect the gold staff in court. The kingdom of Cilicia is historically known for aiding the European armies of the Crusades, especially the First Crusade of 1096 to 1099. Simplified explanation of Crusades is just like European Christians fighting Muslims over religion. Um, a lot of medieval princes did that sort of thing, especially if you weren't, like, the oldest son, so you wanted to gain glory. But that's not important to story. But anyways, like, European princes did that sort of thing. Okay, but remember how the Cilicians had helped the Europeans in the Crusades? Well, the Europeans didn't exactly return the favor. In 1375, the Cilician kingdom was under attack from the Muslim Mamluks, and no help came, and they were conquered. After the Byzantine Empire fell in 1453, the region was absorbed by the Ottoman Empire until it fell in 1921 after World War I. Then, you know, the whole region, or not the whole region, but like the former Ottoman Empire, a lot of it became the Republic of Turkey, modern day. That was a lot of history. Anyways, when Armin and Hova met, Hova was around 16 years old and Armin was 20-something. Armin essentially said, you're gonna get me married to a child? Like, no thanks. But Hova and Armin met again when Hova was around 19 years old, and then they got married. They had children, including Ani herself. Ani is around my age now. Talene and one of her brothers are the only one in their sibling group still alive, and Talene is doing well in her mid-80s. But we're not done here. I can't talk about Armenia without talking about its modern conflict. Armenia is currently at war with Azerbaijan, and the conflict is known as the Nagorno-Karabakh War. It began on September 25th, 2020, over the disputed region of Nagorno-Karabakh and the surrounding territories. It sort of ended with a ceasefire agreement in October 2020 with a treaty-slash-negotiation signed by the Prime Minister of Armenia. That treaty gave Azerbaijan several key regions, including part of Armenia proper. The agreement also included a clause that would allow Turkey and Azerbaijan to have a road through Armenia linking them together. Ani says this is a genocide waiting to happen. Ani told me that there's a lot of ethnocentrism going around both sides, but 
Malat on the Azerbaijani side with videos of Azerbaijani children in school chanting, Armenian kids are bad, and videos of Azerbaijani soldiers beating up the elderly and cutting off ears. So far, according to the BBC, about 5,000 soldiers and civilians on both sides have died in the ongoing conflict. I would strongly recommend doing your own research on this war. During your interview, Ani said some very powerful words. A genocide isn't all we have to offer. Although it's very important to remember and acknowledge and take responsibility for the genocide, the Armenian genocide, you know, we have to see the Armenians as a people who are just people and have lots of great things to offer the world. So that's just something to remember and keep in mind when you do your research and, you know, have this opinion or hopefully form an opinion. And that's where we're at today. It's not a happily ever after, but families are never like that. And so it continues. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. If you have an interesting family story and want to share it, privately message us at Polkis Podcast on Instagram. Special thanks to Ani and her family, our editors, and our social media team. Music is by Meher Sethi. Make sure to follow us on Instagram to receive updates and suggest potential episodes. See you the Monday after next Monday. All names have been changed to respect privacy. All contributors to Focus shared willingly. We encourage all listeners to do independent research on any historical events mentioned.